Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. In the air, deep left, at the wall, gone! Nolan Arenado puts the Cardinals on top. one nothing, St. Louis. Scope drives on to right center field. That's going to find the alley. Off the wall. One run is home. But do is right on Rogers' tail. That is a two-run double for Jonathan Scope. Two to Scope. A drive to left. He did it again. Jonathan Scope is unbelievable. Well, it started out okay. You know, I like the first highlight. Yeah. They got a lead yesterday. That was great. And it started out with a Nolan Arenado home run, and then Lars Newtbar got a triple. That was his first major league hit. By the way, he can fly. It wasn't just the triple, and it didn't even get to the track. He turned it into three. But even when he's grounded out, he's making those close. So we're seeing very good speed out of him. All right, I'll take that. I'm reaching. That's a positive. Actually hit the ball pretty hard both nights. I like that. Um, He's bringing you, by the way, just to stick with him for a second. He's bringing exactly what he was brought up to bring. He's bringing energy. He's playing well defensively. He's running the bases well. You had a triple yesterday. That's a sign of energy that you're bringing to the table. Lars Newbar is doing his job. Okay, and that's about it. Okay, uh, let's go to a break, Tanner. Right, show over. <laughs> Show's over. See you guys tomorrow. Appreciate you boys coming in today. Thank you. And uh, what's coming up with you and Alex? Yeah, we've got some fun stuff. Uh, okay, that's Brandon Kylie. I'm Danny Mac. The Danny Mac Show on a Thursday, and the Cardinals' terrible road trip, just one win in the six games they're swept out of Detroit and tonight begins a four game a series against Pittsburgh and then you welcome a woeful Arizona team to town said this a lot you're hoping the Cardinals can turn this thing around Carlos Martinez Chad cool tonight 715 the first pitch at the ballpark 630 with the pregame show got off to a good start you're up to nothing and then you had what cannot happen And the first time it happened, you got away with it. And many times this year, John Gant has gotten away with it, which was he walked the first two after you had a lead. Then he got three ground ball outs, came away unscathed. Then the next inning, you're up 2-0. He walks the first two. Jonathan Scope, a double that scores two, now tied 2-2. The air is just let out. Any momentum you had is done, and that flat out cannot happen. Then Scope, the following inning, gives up a home run. Uh, or give, gets a home run given up by John Gant and Mike Schild by taking him out BK that was basically Mike Schilt saying like that was like him throwing his hat throwing his hands up in the air flipping the spread whatever you want to call it but that was his way of saying enough I've, I've seen enough because normally if you're a manager you, you would stick with a guy you go all right I'm gonna let him try to fight through this but that was it he said I, I've I'm done. I've had enough, and I'm not sticking with this anymore, and I'm going to my bullpen. I got some guys that arrested, and oh, by the way, I'm going to try to win this game. He had had enough, and that was it. He was upset. 
and without outwardly showing it, because he's not the kind of guy that's going to do that. And I know some fans want him to rant and rave. He's just not that kind of guy. Yep. And um, and he went for broke because he he went with Gallegos, he went with Cabrera, he went with Alex Reyes, and it wasn't enough. And it concerns me going into this game tonight because I would think Helsley might be available for a little bit. I would assume that Gallegos is not. I think he could go back to Reyes tonight. And, uh, you know, you were down by three going in the ninth inning, and it, it didn't work out. And it was just a it's, – it's been bad all around. There's no other way to put it here in the month. I talked about it all morning. I gave the numbers. It's been a historically bad June. Any way you want to look at it, pitching, offense, um, and record-wise. So the Cardinals are in a bad spot right now. They are, and John Gant's a big part of this. His last four starts have not been good enough, flat out. He needs to be better than what he's been, and this is the regression. I, you, Michael Gersh, everybody's been talking about that was coming for him if he didn't fix some of the issues that existed in his first 10 starts. But the numbers, the bottom line in the first 10 starts, made us all feel better about it. And Dan, I'm mad at myself because I allowed myself to fall for it. I, after one of his starts, I think it was like his ninth start, was like, you know what? Maybe John Gant just does something that works. Maybe it's the ground ball rate. Maybe he is immune to these walks in a way that other pitchers are not. He's not. Nobody's immune to walking people the way that he has this year. But in his first 10 starts, he allowed a total of nine earned runs and a 1.6 ERA. That's remarkable, despite the fact that he had 34 walks allowed in those first 10 starts, about three and a half per start, which is crazy. That's an unbelievable rate. Now, in his last four starts, he's gone 14 innings, Dan. He's walked 14 batters, so he's basically walking one per inning, which is atrocious. And he has an 11.57 ERA in this stretch. I think the most damning number, actually, though, is not the walks. It's not the ERA. It's the OPS against. Opposing hitters against uh, John Gant in this stretch of four starts have an OPS of 1,100 against him. Now, to put that in context, because I know sometimes we hear that number and it's like, okay, what does that mean? The only player in Major League Baseball this year with a higher OPS on the season than what John Gant has given up to opposing hitters on the whole, including the pitcher spot, everybody against John Gant in his last four starts is Vlad Guerrero Jr., the only guy in baseball. So what you're basically watching is opposing hitters against John Gant in his last four starts become the second best hitter in the sport. That's not good enough. It needs to improve. And if he can't improve it in his next start or two, then somebody else needs to be inserted into the rotation who can. Oh, I don't know if he makes another start. I, I don't know if you can do that again. I, I, you know, maybe it's Wade LeBlanc. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's I'd Jake Woodford. At this point. I, I think that at this point you have to evaluate that. And I'm not sure that would happen. So uh, his last 14 innings, He's averaged uh, three and a half per start. He's 0-3. Cardinals are 0-4 in his last four starts. So 14 innings, 14 walks. Terrible. Um, and the four home runs. And that's what, to your point, and, and you're right on, because I know you study the numbers. If you go back to 2018, so this is when he's in the bullpen, and now combined with that, what he's done as a starter, he doesn't give up home runs. And that's, it's not only the walks, and that's an easy thing to grab. And it should be because the walks really stand out. If you go back to 2018, he does not give up home runs. Matter of fact, it's one of the fewest amount of home runs allowed in baseball. But yet here recently, it is hard contact against him. So if you're looking at that, you're the front office, you're saying it's more than just the walks right now. Something's going on that's beyond that. 
And I'm not sure that you can allow him to make another start. And I'm sure that that's being talked about right now by the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, the slugging against him in this four-game stretch that you just referenced is Fernando Tatis' slugging percentage on the season. Like that, That's just not good enough. And, um, and I, I think you're right, Dan. I was going to mention this on our show with Alex. I'll mention it to you. I'd be totally fine with him giving Alex Reyes a shot as an opener right now. Does that mean you get three innings out of him, two innings out of him? Maybe. And maybe that ends up hurting you in the bullpen. I get that. But I don't know what other options I love right now. I don't like that. I I think you got to treat him differently than others. And I would be very careful with him. But I'd be okay with LeBlanc. I'd be okay with Woodford. Um, Can I I, pitch it to you? Yeah. I mean, I I, I think, though, here's why. I think you're... You're having success with Alex Reyes. It's a healthy season so far, knock on wood. Let it be a fully healthy season with him. And that's why I'd leave him there. My concern, and it's less of a concern, just one of the reasons why I would even look at doing this, and this is just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks really, is because you have not seen Alex Reyes throw in the last week prior yeah. to yesterday. Yesterday, he threw out of necessity. They needed to get him and Gallego some Seven work. days he hadn't pitched can't have that he's your best arm right now maybe on the roster much less in the bullpen and if you've at least guaranteed yourself that he's going to throw out there every fifth day and he's throwing meaningful innings because right now you don't have enough games where you're up late that he's throwing meaningful innings that game yesterday you could have thrown anybody out there Matt Carpenter could have thrown in the ninth inning it wouldn't have mattered you weren't winning that baseball game so let's get him some meaningful innings. Let's see what he looks like at the beginning of those games where you get maybe two innings out of him. Is it the perfect answer? Absolutely not. I'm totally with you, Dan. Um, but he's now up to like 35 innings on the season. We're about 50% of the or getting closer to 50% of the way through the year. They said they could get him up to 100. And this would be one way to be able to do that as well. John Gant on why he has struggled with his command. Sometimes it goes that way, I think. Uh in a bit of a rut right now, um, team-wise, you know, but uh, just got to keep playing. We'll get out of it. Cardinals offense on the road trip, 186 was the average in the six games. Mm. Three home runs, a total of nine extra base hits. The on-base percentage was 259, the slug 250, the OPS 509. John Mosellock visited with Jim Hayes on Bally Sports yesterday before the game. You know, I, I, I have some theories and I have some things that um, I, I, I could certainly speculate, but I don't think putting that out in the public is all that helpful right now. I think, you know, we have to look inside and, and decide like, how we want to see this move forward. But we're recognizing that what we're doing is not working and it's not me trying to be coy or, or clever but you know there's a lot of of, of things that are complicated in this and i hope people respect that not that we're asking for privacy we're just merely saying that that some of the things we're thinking through is just not ready to be uh publicized and when i hear that that means usually a shuffle or change maybe you never know we'll see what happens when we get to the ballpark today or this weekend but obviously he knows that there's issues and things if they keep going this way it it just it's not sustainable so mike shield uh the cardinals problem right now what about the execution our processes have been really good the last several years um, and have allowed us to to win a lot of baseball games our processes allow us to be aware of what's taking place and how it's taking place so it's not about lack of awareness or understanding or, or process it's really about lack of execution 
Your plan is only as good as your execution, and our plan's been very solid. It's not to say we don't adjust it, adapt it, but if you saw how our staff and our players work and think and, and analyze you'd probably be pretty darn amazed, actually. So this was one of those questions. I asked this in the post game. I, I Basically, what I was trying to get at, and it's difficult in these Zoom pressers to be able to get your question across in a way that's meaningful, but because there's no way to really ask follow-up questions. Um, I wanted to ask Mike Schilt, in this scenario where you're in an everyday, you're playing a game, there's very few off days right now, how often are you able to kind of evaluate what you're doing as a staff, what the pregame process looks like, what everything is going on a day-to-day basis? Are you able to evaluate that now, or do you wait until the All-Star break typically to evaluate those types of things, which would be totally understandable if that's what you did. And he took it, I, I think, as me kind of questioning how much work they're putting into it. That's That was not my premise. My premise was, do you consider sh- shaking things up, not in terms of the lineup, but Guys coming to the ballpark a little bit later, taking a day off from BP, what the process is like when they're actually taking the BP. What do those things look like right now? And could you shake some of that stuff up? Um, That's what I was trying to get at with Schilt there. I don't think it necessarily got the question across the way I was hoping for it to. But I I do. It's hard in those zooms, man. That's it sucks. I hate it. I think his uh, his answer there was a little bit illuminating understood. in the way that he said it. Yeah, understood. It happens. The Zooms are just tough to get. The one-on-one is where you get it. And you, and you yeah. could say, oh, Mike, I, I meant, you know, this is what I'm trying to get at. And I get it. Cardinals are now 6-14 uh, and 14 for the month. Um, I mentioned this time and again, doing the numbers. I mentioned it to you yesterday. Historically, it is in the bottom 5 or 10 in the month of June, pitching-wise, all-time for the Cardinals. Uh, pitching and and hitting so six and 14 this month and they're being outscored 58 to 100 that's a minus 42 run differential this month that also includes a nine run sunday game one in the seven inning doubleheader keep that in mind so it's been tough dave lapointe is coming up he was part of the 1982 world championship club always love visiting with dave lapointe this is the danny mac show with bk the podcast powered by i promise From the belt to the plate, a swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Highlight courtesy of the Cardinals Radio Network, the 1982 World Series. Dave LaPointe was a member of the 1982 World Champions. Always great to visit because of the long history we have in St. Louis of champions uh, in those championship clubs. Uh, Dave LaPointe, part of the 1982 Championship Club, has been kind enough to join us. He was part of that staff. And with BK, I'm Danny Mack. And hey, Dave, great to hear your voice. And uh, good morning to you. How are things going? Great, Danny. Great. I'm I'm in a little bit of mourning this morning because of my uh, my Tampa Bay Lightning losing in overtime last night. It was a tough one to swallow, but we'll be back on Friday. Do we catch you down in Florida now? Because uh, you're a New York guy, but are, are you living full time in Florida? Yes, I've lived uh, just south of Tampa for the last eleven years. Are you a Pat Maroon you... fan? You better be a Pat Maroon fan. Yeah, if you're not, just say yes. Oh. <laughs> 
Absolutely. You know, and, and when I played in St. Louis, of course, I was a Blues fan, and, and now you're watching the playoffs, and uh, three of the major Blues from a couple of years ago are still playing, but not with the Blues. So there you go with uh, contracts and free agency again. Well, when you were watching the Blues in 2019, what was your reaction to that cup run that they had? We got to focus on the positive this morning, Dave. There's not a lot going on with the Cardinals that's positive, so we'll talk to you about some positive things. (laughs) Well, I I thought it was interesting that by far the Blues were the slowest team out there at all of the playoffs, and they just kept running into you and beating you up and making you play their game, and they end up champions. So everybody has a style, and if you all believe in it, it usually works. Absolutely. Um, Dave, I want to ask you about playing here in St. Louis. And once you play here in St. Louis, you're always a Cardinal. You're always a part of the family and and you get to come back to town a few times a a year and you're part of the fantasy camp. And you're obviously a very vocal uh, member of that fantasy camp, as we all have found out, and a beloved member of the fantasy camp for many, many years. So uh, what's it like uh, to be a member of this family and the fraternity of the St. Louis Cardinals? Well, that's you said it perfectly when you said family, and and that's what you feel like that uh, the Cardinals do not forget uh, any other any of their children that have ever played for. I mean, you can go back in there, and it doesn't matter, you know, how many years ago was the World Series, but I can walk down there at nighttime, and somebody's still going to ask you for your autograph. So um, it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're still involved and. Um, I've played a lot of places, but there's no place like St. Louis, and, and I will always believe that. Dave, I'm curious, what what was it like? I know Dan brings this up all the time, Those that 80s infield with Hernandez, Her, Smith, and Obergfell. What was it like being a pitcher, having those guys behind you? Dan thinks it's one of the best infields, maybe the best that we've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the best of all time. I think our worst fielder was Obergfell, and he was a 980. So, um <laughs> It took, you know, it took a couple of player meet or, or uh, management meetings in spring training saying, look at, look at this infield we have, look at the outfield we have, put the ball in play, throw strikes, make them hit it, more than likely you're going to turn out okay. And um, I guess you don't realize how good it was until I got traded to another team and the both balls that were in play uh, just didn't happen to get caught. So. Um, I, I always remember Ozzy coming to the mound one time when I was a rookie and saying, listen, if, if, if ground ball comes up the middle and you've got to reach for it, don't. <laughs> Just let it go. You know, that's all he said. He goes, don't. And I, I was smart enough to figure it out back then. But, yeah, he was probably going to get it. So um, the amazing thing about them, too, is, is, is not only the great you know, glove work, but um, – Although Keith Hernandez is probably the best, I think, the best fielding first baseman of all time, most of those throws hit him right in the chest. And they were an amazing bunch that uh, they, they were they were very accurate with their throwing, and they always knew where each other was. I think you're the perfect guy to ask about this, and I don't know, and it gets brought up all the time, and I, I don't know if it's a fair question when I ask a player that played, especially in St. Louis on the great 80s teams, whether or not or how they would compete in today's day and age of baseball because it's a it's a completely different game how you guys played it to what we're seeing now but I, I say that you're the perfect guy to ask because you not only played a long time and pitched a long time but then you coached and you managed so you you had a little inkling into and an insight into what we're seeing today in the game of baseball so I will ask the question 
How do you think those teams of the 80s would fare against how the game is being played today? Well, that old uh, saying, the speed never slumps. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, the, the amount of home runs that are being given up. But if you talk to any pitcher, they're still bothered by that, that guy that get that leadoff guy that can steal second and steal third. You're still bothered by him. You don't want him to steal. I mean, you still work on it and you work on it. In spring training is trying to keep runners close and trying to be quick to the plate. And then once the game starts, well, nobody steals. So, you, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen, but. Um, you know, look at the the Padres. They they kind of built their record, the, or their roster on getting some more power, but they're still stealing a lot of bases. So when you're going against a pitcher that's not going to give up the home run, you still have to find ways to to score runs, and that goes back to small ball. So as a manager, I you know I Whitey taught me everything I knew. So um, I was Whitey ball wherever I went, and you know won a couple of championships doing it that way. So. Um, you, you look for those fast guys because usually, you know, if you have fast guys at the top of the lineup, they're also pretty good outfielders and they're going to go cut off a lot of runs. So I think that makes a difference too. What was the best lesson you ever learned from Whitey? Whew. Um, God, there was just so many of them, but, um, I, I don't, you know, the one thing, like you said earlier, trust your fielders. Um, I don't care what, what kind of stuff you have set out the game by dominating the outside part of the plate. Know that you could throw a strike anytime you want to on the outside of the part the plate. And more than likely, they're going to get frustrated and start swinging at that first pitch, and you're going to get easy ground balls. So trust your stuff, believe in yourself, and, and your teammates you know, would do the rest. Dave LaPointe is our guest and a member of the 1982 team. I'm going to stay on the Whitey theme, uh, and it took way too long for Whitey to, to get his just due into the Hall of Fame and one of the great baseball minds. But this is uh, right up your alley. As a guy that uh, would watch how he would handle a pitching staff, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, if you can, Dave. What was it about Whitey in terms of how he knew to manipulate in a positive way a pitching staff. He just always knew how to push the right buttons. Why? I mean, other guys couldn't do that. Why Why was Whitey really good at doing that? And how was he able to do that? Well, he, he took the time himself personally. Or if he had, you know, uh, when I was there, he was a general manager and a manager, so it's a lot of times he had meetings to go to. But um, he'd have Hub Kittle, and they would make sure that they checked in with every pitcher and see how he was feeling, you know, don't, don't come right up to him and say, how are you feeling? Can you go tonight? Cause every pitcher in the world's going to say yes. But there was, there was other things, you know, I've got family in town. Uh, I've got, my parents are sick and I'm worried about them. I've got, you know, financial problems, stuff like that. They, he knew they would, they would, they would read your face, your, your facial uh, um, reaction. And then they from there. So, and Whitey also did a lot of things to make you feel better about yourself. Say, you know, your parents came into town, or your wife or somebody came into town, and they were only going to be there for the weekend. Well, he would make sure that you would pitch or play that day. And he always he always just made it, you know, better for you. And he always felt if you were feeling good, then you were going to be good for the team. But, um, you know, back in that day, too, and the, it's, it's a thing that's gone out the window, but a lot of times you'd get in a situation and he would, he would warm up two pitchers and he would call down the rickets in the bullpen and say, listen, if this situation goes on, this guy's going to go in. If this situation goes on, the other guy's going to go in. Well, now um, 
you only warm up one at a time, and you just keep warming him up till he goes in, and then he's got to face three hitters. So uh, it's uh, I know that the three hitter rule has confused a lot of managers in trying to figure out you, you know uh, how they're going to go and what the strategy is going to be. Um, that I would be perfect for this type hmm. of, of rule nowadays because I was better against right-handers. Yeah, for sure. So, you like going against the Pirates, I'd come in to face Willie Stargell, and they would pinch up Bill Robinson, and I I got right-handers better out with my changeup, so um, it would work out in our favor. So um, the better thing about that is if I made a mistake and walked Bill Robinson, they would bring Suter in to face Eastler. So it always worked out in my favor anyway. So. <laughs> Dave, I, I, I'm always uh, interested in hearing from guys like you that were on a, a championship team for the Cardinals. We've talked to a lot of the guys recently from the 2011 squad, and those teams just get so tight, especially in those October runs that you're able to go on. When you were on the planes, going on the road trips, who were the guys that you were sitting next to on the planes, uh, whether it be just eating your dinner or playing a card game, whatever it was, who were the guys that you were closest with that you spent a ton of time with on those plane rides? Well, usually I was closest to the cooler, <laughs> um, but you know, those, we, we chartered Ozark back then. And I mean, nobody very seldom had to sit next to anybody. So that was good. But you know, there was rules. There was, you know, the back of the plane was where the major veterans were. And that's, you know, uh, Suter and Forsh and Cot and tennis. And uh, maybe Forsh didn't sit back there, but anyways, um, you know, in the greatest compliment you could get is if, those guys invited you to the back of the plane or the back of the bus and they wanted to talk to you. So, um, you know, my roommate was John Stuper. So, uh, me, you know, fricking frack, we were completely opposites the way it went, the way we pitched, the way we acted in our lives, but we were avid sports fans and we're always ragging on each other quite a bit. So, uh, me and him would, would, uh, and he was not a back of the back of the plane guy, but, um, you know, he was probably the closest guy. And of course I came from Milwaukee with David Green. So, you know, we were always pretty tight, but, uh, you know, I remember my, my first, uh, the start off the 82 season and the first homestand and, you know, you've, you've got a lot of money in a short time to live when you just make it to the big leagues. So of course I was going to head out to the landing or someplace to see what's going on. And, uh, Gene Tennis, uh, Bruce Suter and Jim Cott just grabbed me by the shoulder and sat me down, you know, in front of their lockers and said, you're, you're going to learn baseball the right way. You know, you've got the stuff to make it. So we're going to teach you. And, um, and they did, and I appreciate it. And I didn't understand what they were doing when they were doing it, but it sure worked out for the long run. You know, John Stuper went on to coach in the Ivy League, and I, I just can't imagine that Dave LaPointe didn't do that. I, I, you didn't say, you know, take that same track record there. I, I just, I find that shocking. Is Ivy with a Y or an EY? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, one of the things I love is I get to see you every year down at the fantasy camp, and Joe Pfeiffer and Larry State and their crew do an amazing job with the the Cardinals alumni. And I mentioned before, you're you're such an integral part of that and have done it for so many years. And it gets all the guys together, and it's like you guys have never missed a beat. How much fun do you have with that, just getting back, putting the uniform on, and, and seeing all the people back together again? Well, that's the main part, you know, getting your uniform back on. And, and once again, you're a St. Louis Cardinal, and you, you wear the birds on the bat rather proudly no matter what you do down there. But the rest of that, uh, it is, it's astonishing 
how they become family, all the leg, all the campers uh, that you meet over the years. And I mean, the God, there's, there's, there's probably 20 of them that have been there for over 15 years, you know, and they, there's people down there that have spent well over, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in their lifetime going to fantasy camp. And you just get a friendship. Like last night I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't like to be bothered when I'm watching hockey, but I get a call from Derek, Spicer, you know, the boys are in town and they were, they saw Costello earlier and they just decided to give me a call. And, you know, that's a, it's, it's a treat, you know, it's a thrill when these guys do that. And, um, you know, Facebook, I try and keep up with them and and make sure I wish everybody a happy birthday and and try and stay connected. Um, because I have to do that because I ripped the shreds out of them when, when camp starts. So I have, I have to be good cop in the off season and, uh, it works out rather well, but I, we still see each other. There's a lot of us that have been friends for years, and we, we see each other when camp's not going on or trying to attend special events. And, um, you know, it was special before Joe Pfeiffer and the Cardinals took over, and then it became extra special. And they they know what it takes. They know that the important things we do is, is put our arm around a guy, give him a hug, and make sure you remember everybody's name and, call them by their first name and, and make sure you sit down and tell stories with them and they go away and they do not forget what happened down at legends camp. And, and when that happens, that means we've done our job. Dave, I, I am curious. I, I know you follow the game and you watch us all the time and, and, and follow Cardinal baseball and, and baseball in general and being a former pitcher. And we're hearing about spider tack and all the different things that pitchers are trying to deal with. Um, what do you, what do you think about this when guys walk off a mound and a pitcher is taking off his belt and showing a, an umpire's glove and taking off his hat, and the opposing manager in the third inning can say, hey, check that guy again. Uh, what do you think about all this stuff? I think it's a joke. I mean, Sergio Romo almost became my all-time hero the other night when, when they did him. But um, for one thing, they're not doctoring the baseball. They're doctoring their fingers. Yes, <laughs> so It exactly. should be allowed. But, um, you know, I, I think it's – Put it in perspective. Why do hitters get to use pine tar in a bat? So they have more control of the bat, so the bat doesn't fly out of their hands. You know, if anybody in the world, you take a baseball out of a box, try and throw it, uh, major league guys that have pitched for 20 years are, are not going to have a feeling it's going to go someplace else. So most of it is just so that you have control of the baseball. They don't really rub them up, especially, you know, back in St. Louis, you would get maybe a few umpires might have been a little bit overweight. And that ball bag would get sweaty wet and you'd get them balls back from them. And you'd have to, you know, really rub them pretty good to get them, you know, to, to feel like a regular baseball. Like take, for instance, I pitched one time out in Calgary when it was 27 degrees and it felt like you're throwing a cue ball and it didn't matter what you put on your hands that day, you know, cause I, I knew all the tricks back then. So you don't want that to happen. Hitters don't want to get hit in the head because the pitcher doesn't know where the ball's going. So, you know, if, if I'm a pitcher nowadays, I just let one go saying, oops, you know, the ball is slippery. What are they going to say? You know, pretty soon that'll change that. But um, there's ways around it. Um, you know, as far as I know, Jim Cott taught me one time, a uh, long time ago, that uh, the tough skin, you, you know, they, they spray on your ankles before yeah. they tape you up. That's not illegal. And neither is, is the rosin bag. So if you take the thigh of your uniform pants and you spray it with tough skin and then cake it with rosin, there's nothing illegal on your body. So you can just rub your fingers on that spot in your leg and um, you can get the, you can hold it with two fingers without using the thumb. So that gives you that 
comfortability of the baseball so then you're not going to lose control of it. I mean, you don't use the stickum to throw a slider. Um, you don't use it to throw a curveball because the, your whole finger's on the seam, but you do use it uh, to throw a fastball because only your fingertips are on the seam. So um, basically that's all they're doing is getting comfortable with it. But I, I think it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, it should be it should be up to the umpires if they blatantly see a ball move like in the old days if somebody was using like a spitball or or they would put KY jelly on it or something like that. And that ball just all of a sudden dropped out of the zone by a foot. Then yeah, I would go check them. But uh, I don't. You know, it was the same thing with the sandpaper and 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 that stuff. Um, you know, some of the greatest artists in the game used to be catchers and. And uh, they would take their equipment home, and they would file the edges and stuff like that, and of their of their shin guards, and and they would scuffle ball. Well, now you're defacing a baseball. That's illegal. You should not be able to do that. But the other stuff, I think it's just for comfortability. And of course, you're talking to a pitcher, but you know, say ask the batters what they would say if you took pine tar away from them. Absolutely, it's interesting. It really is. Hey, buddy, great to catch up and uh, hear your voice. I, I was disappointed. Obviously, we didn't catch up this year, but we're going to have the fantasy camp this fall, and I'm sure I'll uh, I'll see your smiling face down at Jupiter this November and uh, really looking forward to seeing you. Well, I appreciate it, Dan, and thanks for having me on. You guys have a good day. Thanks a lot. You too. That's uh, Dave LaPointe, one of the real good people in our Cardinals alumni, and I, I probably will be back in uh, – now that things are opening up, they're doing all kinds of things with the Cardinals. He's a, he's just a great guy and a lot of fun, as you can tell. 40-year anniversary next year? Yeah. That could be a good time. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I feel yeah. like some of those guys coming back uh, as things are officially opened up next year. I feel like Danny Mac could find a way to have a good time with some of those guys. Oh, they're the best. Right around your age, a little older than you? A little bit. Oh, yeah, they're older than me. A um, little bit older than me. But, yeah, that's uh, right up my wheelhouse. Those guys are great. Um, and it, there's so many good players, too. From mm-hmm. it, We had the anniversary of the 82 team, and I hosted a roundtable. And it was fascinating, BK. We had on the on the round table was Jim Cott, who should be in the Hall of Fame, two hundred and eighty three wins, I believe, and you know what, fifteen Gold Gloves or whatever it is, seventeen, whatever, some crazy. Keith Hernandez, borderline Hall of Famer, Cardinal Hall of Famer, Tommy Herr, Cardinal Hall of Famer, Ozzie Smith, Hall of Famer, Willie McGee, Cardinal Hall of Famer. Um, I mean, all these guys were coming back, and it was awesome. And they all were back on the field, and then we did a roundtable, did a bunch of stuff. And, yeah, you're right, uh, 40-year anniversary coming up. So it's really neat. I, that's As much as we're frustrated right now, and believe me, we're all frustrated what's mm-hmm. going on in 2021, um, just about every year has got some type of celebration with an odd or an even year with this uh, with this uh, with this franchise. It's I also great. think that's part of why the frustration exists, Absolutely. right? Because of the the Cardinals have basically created a, mo- a monster of their own doing. I mean, when you have teams like 04, 06, 11, 13, 15 to a degree, obviously that didn't have the postseason success that we were hoping for, but 100 win season nonetheless. Like that's just in the last 20 years. There are very, very few other teams in Major League Baseball that can talk about something like that in recent history. And then you can also harken back to 
68 and 82 and 84. Like the, there are so many 64, years, 67 teams so in many the 40s. years that teams that the, that fan fans can talk about that are each generation basically has that team that they can point to or teams, a uh, plural that they can point to, to say, that's what I grew up with. That's Cardinals baseball. Why can't we get back to that now? And now it's been 10 years since the last time that you've had that team to be able to point to. I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. Okay. So it all starts tonight then with Carlos. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Absolutely. <clears throat> Got uh, emotional. <clears throat> Someone run down the, went down the wrong pipe. Hey, that happens in live radio, BK and Tanner. Don't give me that look. Either one of you. You're a pro, Dan. I appreciate it. Just got to move on. <laughs> got to go. We're live. We're doing live. Um, Believe it. We're doing it live. We're doing live. Uh, love the visits with the former Cardinals. That was fun with Dave LaPointe. And tomorrow, a uh, really good friend of mine. I love visiting with Ryan Ludwig. Great dude. Um, we're going to visit with Luddy. So he'll be our guest tomorrow. Looking forward to that. The Cardinals, uh, the average this month is 214. On base percentage is 284, slug 318, and they're averaging under three runs a game. Try to change that tonight against the Pirates. They have scored two or fewer runs in 12 of the 20. Okay. So they try to change that tonight. Mike Schilt was asked about making some changes potentially to his lineup coming up. We can uh, always look to explore it differently, shake it up for the sake of shaking it up and, and see what happened, right? And, uh, I think there's some merit to that. You may see something a little different tomorrow. But the fact of the matter is we need to be able to execute. And, um, and you know, you talk about motivating guys, and but really it's effectively just about figuring out a way just to get it done. And i got to take responsibility for it ultimately. You know, it starts starts with me, and i I, I got to be better personally well, for this group. I, I think they do have to shake something up because what's going on right now obviously is now working. So when you have Carlos Martinez on the mound, there is no gray area with Carlos Martinez. He is either really good or really bad. Not in the middle. Yep. Six quality starts. His ERA is about a run and a half. It's really good and gives you a chance to win. Six quality starts with a 1-5 ERA. Man, that jumps off the pages. In the other six or seven starts in which he has been awful, it's really bad. Uh-huh. It's like an ERA of like eight or something like that. It might as well be infinity. Yeah. So doesn't give you a chance to win. Doesn't pitch deep into a game. Gives up runs early. So what I'm looking for early on to see a good first inning. And if he gets through a good first inning, let's see a good uh, second inning. Stay in the moment. Let's see what happens. I mean, you can just go by month. Uh, May, he was was all right. 4.7 ERA. The month of June, 3.6 ERA. That'll play. Love that from Carlos Martinez. And then the month of June would be one that he would just like to forget. He has a 15 ERA this month. That's kind of to your point, Dan. It's all or nothing with him right now. And it's been a lot of the nothing lately. They need a big start out of him today. Because as you mentioned earlier, I don't know who's going to be available in your bullpen tonight. Because in a loss, when you were down 6-2, to you had to use your big guys because they hadn't pitched in so long. I would say Henesis Cabrera probably could get you an appearance my guess is Gallegos, no. What do you think? No on him? I would say Reyes in a save opportunity, yes. I think if you really needed it, and all this three. team needs it. All three. I think you might be able to go to all Yeah, I, 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 
probably right. If you're up like two to one tonight in yeah. the seventh inning, I would not be stunned at all to see Cabrera yeah. Gallegos Reyes. Yeah, I- I'm with you. All hands on deck. Let's go. Helsley too. What the sure. hell? Uh, okay, three of his last four starts have gone less than four and five earned or more. So obviously for Carlos, hasn't been great. Love to see him have a good start tonight. Okay, what do you have coming up on your show coming up? Next three hours, you get to dive into it. I just had four <laughs> hours of it. Good luck. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun, Dan. Uh, we're going to get into the two-game sweep at the hands of the Tigers, of course. What went wrong? How do they shake it up? Uh, I feel like it's basically just repeats of Taylor Swift for the next three hours, shaking it up as much as we possibly can. So we'll do that. Uh, we'll talk about my idea to potentially put Alex Reyes into the rotation. What that could look like for the Cardinals. Uh, there's not a lot of great options here, Dan, uh, but here we are. And then the one other thing I do think we have some good guests today. We've got Greg Wyshynski coming up at 1130. He's going to tell us how the blues are going to be awesome next year. And then at one o'clock, the former Astros assistant general manager, very excited about this. Kevin Goldstein's going to talk to us about what the trade deadline is like from the front office's perspective, when these conversations really start uh, kind of taking form and what right now in late June, John Moselock's probably doing to figure out what the answers can be for a team that's struggling. You know what I'm going to end the uh, show with? A positive text. Okay. All right. From the 417. Love the show. Danny Mac and BK. So that's positive. I got a double positive. So I like that. Uh, Just want to say I'm going to my first Cardinals game since last game of 2019 regular season. By the way, that's when they wrapped up the uh, division. Die-hard Cardinals fan, and despite the rough tr- uh, stretch, I'm excited to be back in the ballpark. There we go. Full capacity. Full capacity. By the way, we will have, I think, crowds over 30,000 at some point this weekend. I don't know about tonight, but I think maybe tomorrow and Saturday will be over there's a 30. Yachty giveaway tomorrow, so I hey, think that one's going to pull. Get them to the ballpark, whatever <laughs> which way you can. Get them in there. I like it. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.